This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, this is Hey Dude Shoes. This is an ad. But not for your ears. For your feet. Are they listening? Good. Hey Dude Shoes are the squishiest, airiest, lightest go-to shoes you'll ever have the pleasure of introducing your toes to. So light, a butterfly could steal them. So soft, kittens seethe with jealousy. So cushy, your hands will curse your feet for all the love and attention. Toes, you've hit the jackpot of comfy. Hey Dude, good to go to. Want a great way to recognize your employees? Check out Custom Inc. Have you ever thought about doing something special for your customers? Custom Inc. can do that too. And wouldn't your team love some custom gear? Custom Inc. is ready. Custom Inc. is your go-to custom gear partner with great customer service, quality products, and all-in pricing along with personalized help when you need it and an easy-to-use website when you don't. Plus, everything is 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Check out what we can do for your business at custominc.com. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Bob Ballard. You might be familiar with Bob. He used to be on TalkSport and also involved with the BBC Sports in many different ways. Bob's on to help me preview the upcoming match for Fulham against West Ham. He's a huge West Ham supporter, so we're going to go through all that. But before I do anything else, I have to welcome Bob back to Cottage Talk. He's been on before. Bob, how you doing? It's good to be back with you, Russ, and good to have you back in the top league again. I hope you stay there this time. I hope so too, Bob. It's uh, not been the greatest starts, but I actually have some hope based on the last few matches. And of course, we got that victory. So I'm feeling a little bit yeah. better than I did. And you're about not in the bottom three because Burnley drew earlier on today. Right. So you, you're not in the bottom three. That's right. That's actually a very good thing. All right, Bob, before we get into this, Tell everyone that, again, uh, is probably familiar with you and maybe not familiar with you, what you've been doing and, you know, in your history and also what you're doing now, which I find interesting. Yeah, so let's go back a bit. I used to work for the BBC. I worked for the BBC for many, many years at BBC Sport, and that was in London. And then BBC Sport relocated to Manchester, and I decided I didn't want to go there. <laughs> so I went freelance, and I worked with Talk Sport for about six, seven years, yeah. doing various things, doing bulletins, doing the overnight show there for quite some time. And, um, and I freelance other places as well through the, the course of the last uh, 10, 15 years. I do a lot of swimming. I do quite a bit of um, 
basketball, a bit of diving, a bit of ice hockey, that kind of stuff. So I have quite quite a wide portfolio of different sports that I cover. But um, I actually moved into a completely different territory in the last 14 months. And that is I'm now teaching multimedia sports journalism at That's a university, great. which is actually based at Wembley Stadium. So, so my office really? is Wembley Stadium. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so I so where I teach in the in the boxes at uh, Wembley Stadium, uh, I can see the pitch and stuff like that, and it's it's a really great location to work from. That's fantastic, Bob, and uh, I wish you only the best. I'm glad that you're having Thank that you. ability to do that. I, I think it's wonderful passing on what you've learned to others. I, I think that's great. But um, I know Bob again uh, for many years. We have a mutual friend, and I've been on Talk Sports several times with you, and I've always enjoyed it. So uh, I just want when I thought about this preview, I knew there was only one person I wanted to have on. It was you. So let's not waste any time. Let's talk about West Ham. Uh, and I'll hmm. obviously share my thoughts on Fulham. Just give me your opening thoughts on West Ham so far, Bob. Well, I have to say, when we saw the fixtures for the first part of the season, I thought, oh, dear, what's going to happen by the time we get to the end of October? Are we going to have any points at all? Now, we had Newcastle, which on paper was an easier game, turned out not to be an easier game, turned out to be probably one of our worst games for a long time. And then we had the likes of Arsenal, then we had Wolves, then we had Leicester, then we had Manchester City, and we had Spurs, and then we had Liverpool. And you're looking at that lineup and thinking, right, okay, uh, what are we going to get out of these games? You know, there's every likelihood that going into November, we might well be in the bottom three. I have been amazingly surprised by our resilience, uh, the, the fact we almost look like a different team. Well, we finished quite strongly at the end of last season. Right. Uh, that, that, that that kind of elongated season we had. Well, but that was due basically to a man we'll talk about a little later on, Mikel Antonio, who absolutely on fire, was knocking goals in for fun. Nobody else was. He was. Um so we, we just had a fantastic end to last season. Thought we might carry on to the beginning of ours, and we stunk the joint against Newcastle. I thought, right, th this is typical West Ham now. We've got all the big games, all the big teams to come, and you know we, we are looking at uh, probably a, a big round duck egg come the end of October. I have been very pleasantly surprised by just how well we played against the big teams, and and you know to be to be fair, we could have several more points than we do have right now. Well, let's talk about this because, again, I've listened to a podcast and I've read a, a lot of great, interesting stuff about West Ham, and it's been extremely positive about how West Ham has played against Liverpool, Manchester City. And, the again, consensus I've heard is, well, that's great, but how will they play against teams like Fulham? Yeah. So are you concerned about how they rise to play against teams like – Liverpool and Man City, but then really playing teams, you know, like like Fulham, I'll say Burnley, or teams that are mm. lower down, much lower down. Does that concern you at all, Bob? Or do you think West Ham are are beyond that? Because it sounds like this is something that's been going on for a while with West Ham. Yeah, and also the thing is that we are now playing teams like a Fulham, like a Burnley, those kind of teams, who we are now expected to be proactive against. Now, we can soak up things against Liverpool. We can soak up against Manchester City. We can do the same kind of thing if we can manage to do it against Spurs, those kind of teams. We, 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 have, a, we have a system which seems to be working reasonably well. The Spurs game obviously was a, was a different case, but right. uh, ended up with the point, obviously, and the goal of the uh, goal of the month from, from Manuel Lanzini, but that's another uh, talking point altogether. But we, we have to change our approach. We have to change our style 
and to a certain extent, maybe even our formation when we play the likes of the teams in the, the bottom five or six, because yep. we are expected to be proactive here. That's right. But these are the teams that we should be beating. So I'll be interested on Saturday night to see exactly um, what he goes with. Um, I, I'm not totally convinced that he's he's really a Haller fan. He's not, but because we don't have Antonio, he's pretty much forced to play him. So, you know, I think we'll we'll have an 11 out against Fulham, some of which may not be first choice or his first choice, David Moyes' first choice. But it'll be interesting because it's the first game really – I'm thinking now since the, the beginning of the season where we're playing a team we are expected to beat. And this is going to be interesting, Bob, and we can get to this as we get through the show. Style of play. Are they going yeah. to open it up more? Like you said, are they going to play differently? Like you said, soaking up the pressure against the big sides. Is he going to take it to form? This is going to be interesting because I'm curious what David Moyes' approach is going to be. So let's talk about Moyes because I, I want to get your thoughts on him coming mm. back. And can he adjust, like you said, can he have two styles? It's funny because I was listening to a, another podcast, a Fulmish podcast, and they were talking about the potential that Fulm might have a couple different sides yeah. to them, meaning different styles of play mattering on mm. the opponent. So I'm going to ask you with David Moyes, do you think he's going to have different styles of play? Well, I don't think he'll differ massively from what he's done thus far. I don't think he has so many options that he can go with, you know, uh, plan B, plan C, whatever. Um, I think he'll try and make, as we have tried to make up to this stage, set pieces count. Gressel has been very useful in that. We've got a couple of big guys in in the box now who, who are great from set pieces. So th those are great options for us. Um, as I say, because we don't have Antonio, who is such a key player for us. Yep. Um, he, he's he's the linchpin of that team. He makes things happen. He he scored that spectacular goal you probably saw a couple yes. of weeks ago before he got injured. Um, you know he is capable of doing that. And and when I say he bullies players, what I mean I don't, I don't mean he's dirty. I mean he's physical, and players don't know how to deal with him. And when he gets in around the box, they're scared of him. They really are. And we don't have that option. So if you if we were playing you with Antonio, I would feel really comfortable about that. Because we don't have him, and we're a bit of a kind of makeshift team in a way. We don't really know what our best lineup is. Um, for, for, for certainly at the front, we don't know what our best lineup at the moment is. I think we could potentially be vulnerable. Okay. That's very interesting, and I definitely want to get into that a little bit more. You and I were talking about, we've already just went there talking about injuries, and Antonio is a significant one. This one actually surprised me, and you filled me in on this, because, again, I, I don't watch West Ham on a regular basis. I, I've always had a lot of respect for Mark Noble, and he's going to now play a bit part. Like you said, Declan Rice yeah. is now the captain. Let's talk a little bit about him, and because, again, you segued us nice to talk about Antonio, but for you, Mark Noble is not a huge loss because you've moved on from him. Yeah, I think he, he still fulfills a role when needed. He's, he's the kind of guy you bring on if you want to secure a point or protect a win, I think. Um, he, he's never been the most uh, aggressive, ambitious midfielder. He, he's he's very much a holding guy, and, he, and, and he'll distribute the ball well. He's a fulcrum round which they can work, um, but you know he's getting on a bit now. He's, he's been in, he's been with West Ham for a, nearly a couple of decades, so he's been around. He's been around a long time within within the system. 
So, you know, this may well be his last full season, or almost certainly will be. He's shown an interest in going into coaching. Uh, so he might go down the, the kind of Scott Parker route in a way uh, as a, a kind of West Ham player of great renown might end up yep. going, taking his badges and going down that route. He might be a potential West Ham manager in the not too distant future. Who knows? But he, he is now not, uh, which he would have been maybe a couple of seasons ago, the first name on the team sheet because he's the captain. You've got to have him in there because yep. he's so inspirational. He is still inspirational, but... All the elements that Mark Noble has brought to West Ham, I now see in Declan Rice, because Declan Rice is, and West Ham fans adore him. There's still all this talk again yep. about when the next transfer window opens, Chelsea are going to come in with loads of money and take him away from us. Just say no. Uh, Just well, say no. what we did last time, you know, we, we, we've set the bar so high now. Yeah. That, uh, that Chelsea are going to have to come up with a ridiculous amount of money, and I don't see them take it. Well, we're, we're not we're not particularly well off financially right now. In fact, our owners have just uh, borrowed twenty five million pounds, so so we know we're not we're not massively financially secure in in many respects. But I think there was a, a huge upcry uh, outcry when obviously we lost a, a key player and Dean Garner to to West Brom. Yep. But there'll be nothing as compared to what would happen if Rice went to yeah. Chelsea. Absolutely nothing. I mean, Rice, we're building a team. Rice will be, I'm absolutely certain of this, England captain for many years to come because he has all the capabilities. You know, he's got a great head on his shoulder. He's 21 years of age, right? Yeah. 21 years of age. He has the attitude of somebody who's much more mature, much older than that. And he rarely gives the ball away. I mean, I, it's, it's, it, he gets such a backlash from other teams and other fans of teams in the Premier League. But we look at him and think, well, how can you criticise this guy? You know, he, he he distributes the ball well. He never gives the ball away. All right, he, perhaps he can score us a few more goals, um, but he rarely gets in those kind of positions. But he's so secure for us. And that's why Chelsea, you know, have been talking in, in terms of 60, 70, potentially million pounds to pay for him. Because... To us, he is that good. Okay, excellent there, Bob. Very good stuff. Okay, let's now talk about you and I talked about this off air because I think this is a good point to to talk about this because we're talking about obviously injuries, but we're also talking about the situation with the transfer window. Mm -hmm. And you don't have Antonio. Well, you have another striker, and, and you and I were talking off air a little bit about him. Share me your thoughts about the transfer window for West Ham. Well, we, we were the only club who actually, I think, ultimately made a profit on the transfer window, which I don't think <laughs> what transfer windows is about, is it? No, transfer it's not. Is, no, it's is not. About, is, is about you going to find players who exactly. can enhance your team, not getting rid of players who can enhance <laughs> other teams. Uh, it, it, it's a complete reverse role as far as we said. The Dean Garner sale was absolutely terrible from our point of view, right? Okay. We loaned him out to West Brom. He has a good season there. Academy player to too, right, Bob? Yeah, exactly yep. that. He's come back. He's come up through the ranks. We were ready for a season with him to show us what he could do after a good season with West Brom. He helped bring them up into the uh, into the Premier League, and then suddenly he's gone for for what we thought was was actually shirt buttons. Really, was, was nothing kind of what we valued him at as, as fans anyway. And, and there he was gone. And he didn't want to go. This is the whole point. You yep. know, if somebody's pushing for a move and they want to be transferred, then you go, well, okay, we can't stop him. He didn't want to go. And the fans didn't want to go. And there, were, there was a massive backlash. As you were well aware, yep. uh, our owners are under a lot of pressure right now because fans want them out. There's been all this talk about an American consortium maybe buying the club. 
which we're all going, oh, that sounds like a great idea. It doesn't always work out as you well know. Yes. Um, that that it, it can be it can backfire in a big way. Yeah. But we're but we're looking at our lot and go, well, they're not investing in the club, as I say, in the transfer window with any people who actually made a profit on a transfer window. I can't believe that, by the way. That's no, I don't know. It, we, we, you look at people, loads of people spent money. I know there was that time when you spent 100 million and it didn't quite yeah. work out, but we're not asking people to do that. But, you know, give, give you all our prize assets for, for, for next to nothing. Um, so it, it, it's, a, it's a really interesting situation with, with, with our club is that, that there's a lot of tension around, which is probably why it's a good thing there's no fans around. At the moment. <laughs> I, mean, it's, it's I asked you about not, that. Yeah, it's, it's not what we want. We, we would love to be there. Of course. But, but the but the, the the backlash against Gold Sullivan and Brady right now, which has been going on pretty much all of this year. Well, to be honest, been going on for a lot longer than that, but it's really been heightened this year at the transfer window, put it into a completely different realm, I think. People say, Well, hang on, what's going on? Do we not have any money at all? We're giving away our assets here. You know, are we gonna get rid of Declan Rice? All that kind of stuff, you know. It's 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 not good doesn't sound good bob but again let's go back you know when we're talking about this with everything going on with west ham they've been impressive i know what position you are but look who you played and uh they're going to be a difficult team to be for anyone obviously including Fulham, and we'll get more into the match in, in just a bit but let's now talk a little bit more about your side let, let, let's get from your perspective strengths and weaknesses for west ham i've been a bit concerned about fabianski this season i've got to be honest he, okay. he's not as strong as he was. I mean, against Liverpool, I thought we were going to get a repeat of what we saw with him last year against Liverpool. Where we basically threw away a good chance of winning at Anfield because um, he, he he had butterfingers. And it was very similar in the, the recent game that we lost to Liverpool. Um, so Fabianski worries me a little bit. Our back four, for the most part, back five, we tend to be playing quite a bit these days. Looks good. Rice is very, very solid. Um you know, we're still not. I still don't think we've quite got. You take Antonio out of the equation. Yeah, I still don't think he knows quite what he wants to do. You know, does he? Does he uh, go with Yamalenko? Uh, does he go with Alaire? Well, he's not been going with Alaire, but he's it's kind of forced his hand now. Um, so you know, the, the back we're not conceding goals. I mean, I look at it. We, we conceded two against Arsenal. We could have won that game. We didn't yep. concede anything against Wolves. Didn't con- we conceded? Um, uh, what do we concede uh, against Leicester? We didn't concede at all. You know those kind of games. We, uh, our, we're not conceding a lot of goals now, um, so I, I think we've shored things up at the back quite nicely. Uh, we're not maybe as creative in midfield. We, we, it's the old West Ham way. When I when I was going on a regular basis as a season ticket yep. holder, I would always get really frustrated with us that we go back too much. You know, you get to halfway and the ball will be back in our penalty area and go, well, hang on a second, aren't we supposed to be advancing the ball here? Are we supposed to be going forward, trying to get trying to get into their half, not our half? So there's still an element of that, even without Mark Noble. And there was always a, a big question mark and people pointed things at, at Noble because he was a bit too negative sometimes. So I'd like us to be, see us be a bit more positive. And we don't have a, an out-and-out multi-goal scorer. Uh, apart from Antonio, right. so we have people. We have people who all chip in. Lanzini might have scored a great goal um, to get that game tire against Spurs, but he hasn't. He hasn't done much for two years. You know, th- these these are people who who flit in and out. You know, might score the occasional goal. Alaire scored goals, quite a few goals 
in the uh, Carabao Cup, but hasn't done it in the league. Right. You know, so so we don't have a reliable source of goal scoring, and that is our big uh, problem. Take Antonio out of the equation, and I don't know who we rely on. Where the goals are coming from. Okay. Yeah, but but Bowen, Bowen is is a, is a really good worker. Uh, he'll create a few things. He scores the occasional thing, but he's not your Harry Kane. He's not uh, somebody like that who's who's going to score you twenty goals a season. He's not, and maybe, maybe we're not the kind of team that at the moment can actually create enough opportunities to score twenty goals a season. Okay, very interesting stuff, Bob. That's going to lead me to ask you for key players for West Ham because. Uh, we get into this a little bit deeper. I, I definitely want your thoughts on how you think this game is going to be played by both managers. You know, what are going to be their approaches? What are going to be their game plans? So I think I thought we would start with key players in this game for West Ham. Who has to play at an exceptional level? I know it's probably easy to, to look at Declan Rice, but for for your side, who has to play well to get all three points? Well, yeah, I think... Uh, going back to what I said earlier on, I think the set pieces will be key. I think okay. Aaron Cresswell's played pretty well recently with set pieces, and I think uh, they will be key if he gets some decent areas for free kicks and corners that he takes. Um, Bowen will be in there, of course, with with a chance. Declan Rice will will set stuff up. Okay. Um, yeah, Bonner has been very very solid. Um, the, probably the most consistent we've had. Uh, as a defender for quite some time. So, you know, uh, provided he keeps going well, he, he's another one that will will give us the, the kind of stability and the solidity that we need at the back. Um, who else is going to be in there? Um, in, in terms of possibility, obviously we've got our, our Czech boys now who are, who are who are doing the business for us um, yep. in, in, in quite a big way. Kufal has been a, a really good addition for us. Um, you know, we, we've got we've got a couple of players that we weren't quite sure about at the time, but Kufal has come in and has been a really good presence, okay. and Suchek as well. So you know, um, if, if both Kufal and, and Suchek can can um, do what they, they they've done on a fairly regular basis this year, to be honest, yep. then again they they provide us with quite a few options, uh, and of course height as well, which is very important there. That I mean, I think I don't think you've got the the tallest uh, backline, have you? So. Well, that actually has changed a little bit, Bob, uh, with the additions of Anderson, Joachim Anderson, and Tosin Adarabayo. These are two very tall center backs, so things have changed oh, a little bit. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So you're bringing some ringers in now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens hmm. there, my friend. All right. Coming up next, we're going to switch and talk a little bit about Fulham, get Bob's thoughts on Fulham, and then we're going to break down how both teams win this match. Okay, Bob, let's get into it. I don't know how much you've watched the form. It's been a tough start. It's, again, transitioning from mm. that playoff final, Bob, is difficult. It was difficult two years ago. For whatever reason, I actually think it's gone a little bit better, but there wasn't much time to get this thing going for form against the other teams around him. I, you know, again, I'm not trying to make excuse, excuses for them, but it's the reality. So I had a feeling that they would start slow, and they have started slow. But I, I see signs of life. I w want your thoughts on form so far this season. Well, so you're right. I haven't seen a great deal of them. Um, I've seen a lot of Scotty Parker interviews afterwards. So, so I kind of we'll talk know about him a little bit. where he's coming from. And of course, you know, he, he is amongst a lot of West Ham fans, are highly revered. 
very much like because yep. he, he was one of our players and um, gave us a good um, uh, a good time over quite a few years. He did go to Spurs, which which kind of tarnished his reputation a little bit. A lot of people <laughs> would say that uh, uh, they were they were not at all happy when he went to one of our uh, not only our main I suppose our main rival, yes, in terms of Premier League, you know the the club we, we least like um, in, in, of the twenty of the nineteen others around us. Um, but no, I have I'm not seen a lot, and what what I have seen sometimes you, you, I, the best description I have of what I've seen of you. You're a bit of a patchwork quilt team. There, there are elements that seem to work, and other elements that look a bit threadbare to me. Yeah. So it's like it's like um, the old work in progress, isn't it? Yes, the, that's the, a good the, way to put it. Is that there are some things? It's, it's almost you know, Scotty's probably just getting that bit right, or oh, that bit's not quite working now, or that bit's working, or oh, that bit's now not yep. working. You you haven't got everything symmetrical yet. Um, you, you, you can't say right. The defense is working, midfield's working. We're scoring loads of goals no. because all, all not three all not happening. Yeah. Not, not yeah. happening. But I, but I did think, having watched a bit of the last game where you won, I thought, ah, oh, do you know what? Maybe that that light bulb moment has just arrived because there seemed to be a bit more symmetry about what you were doing. Yeah. It seemed to be it's, it all seemed to be a bit more cohesive, yes. and also maybe it was a case of right, we've got to the stage of the season where people actually know their designated roles. They know what they have to do. They know that we have to work within the limitations of the people we've got, and the budget we've got, and obviously the quality of the players we've got. Because you, you basically still got a championship team there, haven't yeah. you? Let's be honest. It's well, we turned it over a, a good amount, but but yes, we still have some of the championship players left. Yeah. But we started so, the season with that, so they've been transitioning away from that a little bit. Yeah, uh, but but it, it, it's it's kind of good now. But uh, that yeah. was the first game I'd seen. I mean, you, you've not been beaten out of sight, have you? you? You've been losing games by the old goal here and there, so it's yeah. not like you've been really overwhelmed by. It. You're not. You're not. I mean, obviously Liverpool conceded loads the other week, and some teams. Yeah. Have been that's been the ridiculous thing about the Premier League so far is some of the scorelines. Now we're getting back to normality now. I know we didn't have a nil-nil for uh, for a long, long time. Now we're getting nil-nils on a quite regular basis. So perhaps things are settling down. But you know we were getting five fours and four threes and seven twos and heaven knows what for a while. So it's been kind of bizarre. But you but you've not been trounced, have you? Yeah, yeah. You, you've not really been thrashed out of sight yet. No. Um, and I, I think I think there are there are certainly elements from what I can see and have seen where Fulham looked to be just getting into a groove. And I think you're quite maybe fortunate of this may change as the, the season goes on. You're looking around them, West Brom are struggling big time. Yep. Burnley struggling big time. Sheffield United, surprisingly, after the great season they had last year, they're finding it really hard. So, yeah, the pressure's not particularly on big We just time. need three yeah. teams, Bob. <laughs> we just yeah, need... but, and, and see, now you've got that win under your belt. You, yeah. It shows you can do it. Um, you know, I, I know I'm, not, I'm still not, not quite sure that Fulham fans think Scotty's the best manager, and I think he'd admit himself he's not. It's still a work in progress as far yes. as he's concerned. Um, but he hasn't got the the problem you had last time of going out and spending enormous amounts of money, yeah, and them expecting that hundred million pounds worth of talent to gel straight away. Sure, you know he, he he's done it on a very restricted budget. Is that without really spending a lot on 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 getting the players and 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 the owners kind of go right, Scotty, make this work, um, and 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 I think you know I, I actually feel even though you've not spent any money compared to what you spent last time, I actually yeah. feel a bit more optimistic about about things, and I think so do I, Bob. Um, you know, and you've got that lovely uh, stadium starting to evolve again. You know, yes, it, that's a very good sign. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, if, if I was a Fulham fan, I think I would, even at this stage, feel more optimistic now than I would have done two years ago. I'm there with you. Okay. I've got some uh, questions for you. This is from a Fulham supporter. So let's bring this to the table. This is for you, Bob. Who's West Ham's biggest concern in regards to Fulham? Mitrovic. <laughs> Everyone goes right for Mitro, and I understand that. Gotta be because you know he, he's a difficult man to keep quiet. Um, he when he's on his game, I, I, I think he must be quite frustrating for you as Fulham fans because <laughs> you know when he's on his game, you know he he's very very good and it's probably better than, than a lot of people rate him. But, yes. but he does drift, and he has days where you think has he left his brain in the dressing room? Yeah, um, and you think, oh, if only you could be consistent. If only you could do it on a weekly basis, week in week out, uh, like you did for that season in the championship yep. where he was scoring goals for fun. If he could only progress that. And believe uh, either believe in himself. Or I don't. Know, I don't think he's actually a man who, who lacks belief. But sometimes it, it just seems that all the cogs in the wheel don't quite fit together with him. So if he if he has a storming game, then he, again a bit like with Antonio for us, he's a very hard man to keep quiet. That's true, and uh, I understand why you went right for Mitro, and uh, that makes sense. I will say this, Bob, and uh, again. Um, what was encouraging for me when I look at this match and I look at, say, key players for Fulham, I'm looking at central midfield for Fulham. And this has actually been an improvement. And uh, we saw Tom Kennedy play this advanced role and probably Tom Kennedy's best game I can remember mm. as a Fulham fan was probably in this game. And again, obviously scoring the goal in the playoff final a few seasons ago will always have uh, huge marks for me. But as an overall uh, performance, I think the last match, and what was interesting is that Angisa in central midfield really allowed Kearney to do what Kearney does so well, and uh, so those are the, some of the key players for me, Bob, when, when I look at Fulham, so I just wanted to share that with yeah. you, but um, but let's transition, let's talk about, let's really get into the nuts and bolts of this. First of all, your perspective on how does West Ham win this match? Let's start there first. What do they have to do to win? I, I think they have to be a little bit more offensive, a bit more aggressive than they have been in recent times. And remember, for the first time since the Newcastle game, they're up against a team who they're expected to beat, right? So forget, you know, oh, we've got to keep it tight against Arsenal, we've got to keep it tight against Man City and Liverpool and Spurs and stuff like that. I, I think they have to. Um, but it's not really in Moyes' DNA to do that. Moyes is a very... Safety first, you might even call him quite negative uh, coach or manager. Um, so he's got to almost say, right, we, we need to change emphasis here. We need to change the way that we look at this. Yep. Fulham are a team we should be, certainly at home. Although I, this, is, this is another thing, even with fans, our home form has always been terrible at London Stadium. You know, if we were Upton Park playing you, yeah, I would say I'll I'll be really happy. And I, what I is it about that stadium, Bob? I don't. Know. It, it doesn't feel it like ours. It doesn't feel like ours. Okay. That's that's the problem. It just doesn't. Even though we've been there, what it's getting on for four years now. I was going to say it's, it's not a, like you just got there. You know? No, no, but it doesn't. It, it never has felt like ours oh. um, at all. And. All right, as I say, there's no fans in there now, so it, it, it could be anyway. It could be playing. Um, and and I say the results have improved a little bit in recent times there. But it's, it, I don't know if it's ever really going to feel like our own place. 
Okay. Um, although obviously, as 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 new players come in, they won't know about Upton Park, so uh, they won't have anything to refer to. You know, obviously, Mark Lobel was was a Upton Park boy, and a lot of the yep. players were signed when we were still at Upton Park. Um, so you know, whereas you might think, I don't know whether Craven Cottage really does have much of a home uh, factor or, or not, but obviously other grounds do. We don't really, I don't think we really have that. Uh, to be to be absolutely honest, and I'm not sure it's going to play much of a part against you on Saturday night. To be honest, okay. Um, so we'll see. Obviously, one thing I need to mention very very quickly: this is sure. quite a historic historic game on um, Saturday night because this will be the last pay per view game in the Premier League. So that's official now. Well, it's not official, but the fact is they've said they're not doing them anymore after tomorrow night. So that's good I think news. It's been such a backlash by the fans here paying their £15, um, which most people have not, and yeah. I won't be tomorrow night. Um, I'll be listening on the radio and picking up on, on what I can. Uh, I'm not on the legal streams person, I've got to be honest, but sure. I, will, I, will, I will keep across it. But um, so th- this this game, which obviously, as you know, has been moved for pay-per-view. It's another <laughs> thing. It was supposed to be an afternoon game, and that's an evening game for pay-per-view. Yeah. This this will, this will be almost certainly. It's not not totally confirmed or decided yet, but this will be, as far as the UK is concerned, not it affects you because you get all the games in America yeah. anyway. But um, but here uh, it will be the last, I think, probably the last time we'll ever see pay-per-view football in this country. Well, that's actually a, a positive. I want to share this comment from... Uh... A regular listener, Brian Lake. I've been to Upton Park. Glad we never have to play a wave here again. That's a difficult place to play, Bob. It was a fortress. It was. And this is one of the elements that having moved from Upton Park to the London Stadium, we lose. It was an intimidating ground. It was less intimidating in the lesser years because they moved the pitch in a bit. It used to be right up against the stands, right? So the chicken the, the chicken run on the far side and the main stand uh, where I used to sit, uh, and the pitch was really up against it. And you you were very close to the crowd. It was very intimate and, and quite hostile and quite intimidating for the away yep. team. Um, you don't get that at London Stadium. Therefore, a big element of what made us good and very hard to beat at home has disappeared. Wow. Very interesting stuff there, Bob. Okay, I'm going to flip it on you now. I'm actually going to mm. put you in the shoes of Scott Parker. How does Fulham right. win this match? What would be your strategy against your side, West Ham, if you were him? Mm. Well, I, I, I would keep it tight. Um, if he can, which we have done in a few games this year, if he can keep it tight early stages, uh, I, I think you've you've got a you've got a good chance because so you 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 haven't got an Antonio to bully you out of the way. Uh, you might have a couple of got one very tall Czech guy, another Czech guy playing off him potentially here. Yep. Alain, I think he, he I, I, is an interesting one because I, I'm not quite sure if he does play him tomorrow. I think he probably doesn't have an awful lot of options. Not whether he plays him or not on that, he could. Be you, you could be the kind of team that Alaire thinks, ah, here's a chance for me to really show what I can do. Okay, so I'm sure that Parker's done his notes on him. I mean, he was great in the Bundesliga, was Alaire, yeah. but we just haven't seen anything like that since he's come to the Premier League. But it just might be that chance to shine game for him where he looks around and he thinks, well, I don't know any of these guys, there's no, no kind of apart from Mitrovic, yeah. not too many headline players here. Um, so I, I would say if you can nullify him if he starts 
Then, and of course, we don't know whether we're going to get Ben Rama in there at all. Yep. Uh, that that's a big question. We haven't seen him start yet for West Ham. Uh, it'd be an obvious game for Ben Rama to come in, to be yep. absolutely honest, because because he, he will he will know from his time uh, in the Championship all about the the Fulham lineup and things yeah. um, from Brentford. But um, you know, I, I honestly think it's just a case of keeping it tight. Keep it. Okay. Keep, don't, don't, don't allow us to get we we got quite a few early goals recently. We got an early goal against uh, Manchester City. Uh, early goal against Liverpool, you know. Um, so you, you don't want to find yourself 1-0 down the first 15 minutes because I think then you will find – because then Moyes will revert to, to plan B and will keep it tight and then I think it would be quite hard to break us down. And that's been an issue with Fulham, Bob, is that they've given up those early goals, like I said, in the mm. first 10 minutes and it's happened too frequently and I, I agree with that strategy to keep it tight, at least in the beginning and then grow into the game. But um, we're, we're going to go and – Talk about the starting eleven. I want to get your starting eleven. What you would do if you were Moist. But let's start here because again, we're talking about Ben Rama. This is from my friend here, June Lee. Do we think Ben Rama will start? He certainly seems to have the quality, as we've seen many times in the championship. Bob, I can attest to that. He should start. Yeah. That's well, what yeah. I would do. Yeah, but it's an interesting one that you know depends who you speak to, and uh, it's very difficult sometimes to sort out fact from fiction on this, that I get the impression that Moyes is not overly enamored with having Ben Rama on the squad, that it wasn't necessarily his selection. And it was almost to placate the fans, or we need to bring some people in who's available that we can afford, old Ben Rama. Uh, Because as far as I'm aware, he's been fit for all the games he's potentially played been able to play for us last couple of weeks. Why has he not been involved? Why has he not started? Uh, and if, if you really want to get a new player up and running, you don't wait two or three weeks to, to get them in there, I don't no. think. You, um, so will he play him? He could potentially play him. Of course he could. Um, I, I'm going to have a look at my, my notes. And see where we, in fact, the West Ham... Notes are right beside me, so I'm going to have a quick look and see what they're <laughs> what they're suggesting. Okay. Um, so let's have a look here. Uh, da, da. So we know it's going to be so Saturday's game. Uh, all right, let's see if there's a. I'll just see if I've got any early team news for you on this one. So bear with me while I go through some. Cause sure. I literally printed this stuff up uh, to see. I'll tell, tell you all about our previous meetings. I'm also tell you that David Moyes has a very very uh, good record against Fulham. He does. He Very does. good record. Um, so, so Antonio's out. Noble is definitely out. Yeah, yep. he's, he's got rib injury. Uh, Cresswell's okay. It says here Ben Rama is pushing for a full debut. Uh, he came as a substitute at Anfield last weekend, yep. but he's pushing for a full debut. I never quite know exactly what pushing for a full <laughs> debut means. Um, so, but that that's pretty much it. I mean, the, the, yep. it's pretty sketchy, sketchy team news from West Ham at the moment, but. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see him given a start. And, you know, all right, yep. we've had some some big teams we've been up against, the Liverpools and Manchester right. Cities recently. Um, this would, I think, be an ideal game for him to start. I totally agree with you, Bob. So that's going to lead me to ask you, you're David Moyes. What would be your starting 11 against Fulham? Um, Well, I definitely, I, I think I'd have to go Allaire. Um, I think I'd have to go Bowen as his support. Obviously, Rice will look after the the, the midfield section. Our back five will stay 
pretty much as it has um, with no injuries that I'm aware of. Um, so we'll have uh, Cresswell will will be the, the man who will occupy left wing, uh, left left back, and uh, will will supply all the set pieces. Um, I think it will be pretty much unless he well if he injures Ben Rama, obviously it won't be the same yep. starting line. But um, we played very well against Liverpool last week. Um, again, uh, slightly negative, but then obviously we're up against the champions, so it's not really surprising. I don't see him making, and I don't think he can actually make any massive changes from from the eleven that played last weekend. Okay, very good. I'm going to go with Fulham starting eleven against West Brom now. Molina's dealing with an injury, and uh, if he's fit to play, I'm going to go with Molina. If he's not, then I'm going to put in Harrison Reed, who came in at halftime of the West Brom match to take the place of Molina. But I'm going to go with Ariola in that. Ina, as your right back, your left back will be Anthony Robinson, who I think has played phenomenal for Fulham. And the center back pairing is going to be Yoki Manderson and Tosin Adarabayo. Central midfield, I think, is so key for Fulham. That's why I am going to go with Angisa, Molina, if fit, if not Reed, and then, of course, Tom Kearney. On the left, Adam Lookman. On the right, I'm going to go again with Bobby Decadover-Reed. Can't take Bobby Decadover-Reed out after that last match. And then we'll go Mitro up front. So that's what I'm going with Fulham. So, Bob, that's all going to lead to end the show with giving me your prediction for this match. How do you see it going tomorrow night? I think West Ham will win. Um, okay. I don't think it will be a high-scoring game. I think we might win by the odd goal. So either a 2-1 or a 1-0. Uh, I, I don't actually see there being a lot of goals in it. I think 2-1 okay. sounds about right to me. Okay. I certainly can see that, and uh, I can understand why West Ham supporters are extremely, how can I put this, uh, confident. And, you know, I don't blame them for being confident. But what's interesting about this Bob, is that I actually did a poll, and I'm going to pull this up in a second because while I do that, I'm going to give you my prediction for this match, and uh, I could very easily go with a West Ham victory. I, I think that would be the smart play, if I'm being honest, because West Ham right now are trending upward. Even though Fulham had the victory, it's just one victory. They, they are making incremental improvements. So, but I am going to go with a 1-1 draw. I'm going to say Fulham find a way to get something out of this match, which again, Bob, getting a point out of this would be massive for Fulham. So I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. But what's interesting is the poll I did on the Connor Stock Twitter page. I had 518 votes. It's a decent amount of votes for us. And win, Bob, 44%. Draw, this is for Fulham to uh, get a result of... What is your prediction for Fulham against West Ham? Draw is at 37%. Loss is at 19%. So I guess that's what what a victory does for you. Yeah, of course it does. It it, it levels the stakes a little bit. It makes you a bit more optimistic and a bit more kind of buoyant about things. And it it would not surprise me because, because I say, we we have no points of reference since the first day of the season because right. all the teams we've played have been top half of the table teams That's right. uh, from last year. In fact, all the teams we've played pretty much have been European teams, either in Champions League or in Europa League. So so you are the first team that we've played 
pretty much uh, obviously uh, the, the first of the newly promoted teams that we're yes. playing as well. Um, so uh, our record, as you, you quite rightly point out, our record against teams who we are expected to beat is not very good and hasn't been very good for the last couple of seasons. So, yeah. so a, a draw or even a sneaky Fulham win would not be out of the question. I, to be honest, I don't see a Fulham win. Um, a draw, I think, is, is a much more likely outcome. But okay. I think we've probably just about got enough uh, to sneak a win. But it's, it's not going to be a sizable one. It may, not, it may not be the most attractive game of football either, potentially. Yeah. I think you could be right on that. You know, And again, it's funny because I look at the two managers. They are different. But Scott Parker is defensive in nature. It's He coaches the way he plays, Bob. He's gotten a little bit more adventurous. He's let them play a little bit more. He's taken the shackles off a little bit. But he's defense first. Let's just say it. That's just the way his mindset is. And mm. uh, I kind of like that about him, but it's also frustrating at the same time. And and you've already explained, Moise, they're different. And that's what you have with a, a, a obviously newly promoted team and he saw and was involved in what happened two years ago. Yep. So he doesn't want that to happen again. Yeah. So it's understandable that you know things have changed. I mean, as I recall, you were playing some really attractive football the start of the last term you were in the Premier League, but you were getting beaten quite soundly. You were trying to play open, expansive football and getting beaten quite heavily. Yes. So, so he's kind of turned. He's turning things around, saying, "Right, yep. well, we can't go down that route. We've, we've, we've got to play safety first. And if it's a bit dull, but we get results, well, so be it. At least we'll be yep. in the Premier League next year." Exactly. Exactly. Good stuff, Bob. I can't thank you enough for joining me. I, I've enjoyed this. The 45 minutes have flown by. Thank you so much for doing this with me, Bob. I really appreciate pleasure, it. Sir. Yeah, and we'll we'll obviously catch up when we do the return leg uh, yes. back at your place. Absolutely. I, I look forward to talking with you again. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Cottage Talk. For my very special guest, Bob Ballard, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute. And all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping. And you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants. 18 plus. Serving times. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.